All right, so we've been going through Exodus, and Exodus is kind of an interesting text. It starts out narrative, and then it kind of jumps into, into law genre literature, which is hard to preach, as you guys have noticed. Thanks for letting me learn on you. Uh, and, uh, and then we, we're kind of jumping around with the genre of what it is. The, we go back to narrative today. But we saw last week when we were looking at the text, the law that was given, uh, we were given several reasons why we should obey God. And, and Israel was given reasons. We understand as Christians, we have reasons that we should obey Jesus. Jesus, and we get to see that yet again today. So if you're like, oh, obedience is hard. I'm glad that you know we'll move on to another topic next week. No, we get to talk about it again. And you know what? It's honestly hard. It's difficult for me to talk about this because I understand, as you understand, being obedient to Jesus, being faithful to Jesus is hard, isn't it? It's difficult. I remember years ago, longer than I care to admit because I still feel like I'm a really young person, so it was over 22 years ago. I was in, I was in high school, and I was in the dark room. We had a photo lab and everything, and I was developing pictures of my uh, at the time girlfriend, uh, because you know it was a photography class. Got to take pictures of something. You know, take pictures of your girlfriend. So I was developing pictures, and one of my friends she came up and she in the dark room, which had you know about I don't know 15, 16 kids in there. Uh, she insinuated that I was sleeping with my girlfriend, and it was like. Oh, what are you going to, okay. I was a Christian then too, so I was like, look, um, you know, I'm not, I had to publicly say, no, I'm not because I am trying to be faithful to Lord Jesus Christ's call to uh, save sex for, for marriage, right? And, and people are like, what? Right? Like, so now I had to have this whole awkward situation. I'm trying to be obedient to Christ, and that's why I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend, right? And that was like, oh man, it was so hard. Uh, some some others of you have had a uh, hard situation. I don't think Chris and I will have this situation, but but some parents have like superstar athlete children, right? <laughs> like just amazing athletic children. And the hard thing for Christian parents is when that kid is like a super mega athlete and they're good at everything they do, there's a lot of sports and tournaments that happen on Sunday. And for, so for them to possibly take away an opportunity for the kid or to go to the coach, and if the coach doesn't listen, Go to the principal, and if the principal doesn't listen, go to the superintendent and say, hey, look, you know, time to time we might be able to go to a game or a tournament, but in general, our family worships on Sunday. They're still going to participate, but, but we need to worship the one true God on Sunday mornings. Do you know how hard that is? You know how difficult that is? Or if you're a Christian and uh, you have unbelieving family members, your parents or your kids, and they come over and you normally pray before a meal and maybe, uh, maybe a neighbor you have coming over, you know that they're not a Christian. And, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes, you know, most non-Christians are like, whatever, cool, we'll pray with you if you're going to pray before the meal. But some people, especially if they're family members, you know that they are anti-God. And to say, okay, we're going to pray now, right? And they're just, mm. it's difficult. It's hard to be obedient to Jesus. In fact, I know more often than not in my life, it hasn't just been hard, it's been awkward. <laughs> just, oh, we're having an awkward conversation now, aren't we? We are. I don't like that. Do you like that? I, I don't enjoy it. But what happens if we are consistently obedient to Jesus? I don't mean perfect. I mean, because we've all failed. You know, all of us have sinned, fallen short of God. I'm not saying that all of us are going to, that any of us, in fact, are going to be perfect. Uh, but when we do fail, when we do fall short of the glory of God, when we do sin, 
we repent and try to do that no more and rely on God the Holy Spirit to not do it again. But what happens when we live that life of, of consistent obedience or consistent striving towards obedience? What will happen? Well, as we continue our journey through the book of Exodus, uh, they were, it's been a whole series of images. They're given of the Ten Commandments, and Israel hears, and they're terrified because remember, God comes down in this like cloud of fire and, and thunder and smoke, and the people are scared, and they say, Moses, no, you talk to God alone. We're terrified of this, of this scary God. So Moses talks to God. God gives him some more rules and statutes and commands for Israel to follow. And remember, all these commands can be summed up in two commands, right? Love God and love people. But, you know, the particulars, he gives them the particulars. And then we come across this. Chapter 24, verse 1. Then God said to Moses, Go up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders, and bow and worship at a distance. Moses alone is to approach the Lord, but the others are not to approach, and the people are not to go up with him. Okay, so up to this point, God had said, nobody come onto the mountain, right? You can come up to the mountain, don't go onto the mountain, because if you do, you will die when you gaze upon my holiness. Oh, okay. And now, now God's saying to Moses, hey, you are going to bring 72 other individuals. Well, 73 if you count Aaron. You're going to bring 70 more individuals. You're going to come up onto this mountain, and, uh, and you're going to see me. Don't get too close, but I want you to bring these people up. I mean, if you're one of these 70 elders, what are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm so honored. No, you're terrified. You're like, oh, pick somebody else, right? I mean, this is the God who is just fire and smoke. You saw what he did to Egypt and how he utterly decimated their armies. You saw what he did in the, the land of Egypt with the series of 10 plagues, right? And, and he already warned Israel, I am so holy, you can't get too close. And now he says, okay, here's an invitation, you're coming up. <gasps> Man, God is beautiful, but He's scary. He is. The Bible describes God as, as a fire sometimes, metaphorically. Right? And you guys have had fires before. We're in northern Michigan. You have uh, campfires, and, and we enjoy bonfires. And have you ever gotten that moment where you're, you're there and you're just mesmerized by looking at the fire? It, it, fire is utterly fascinating and utterly beautiful. But I can tell you by looking at every single one of you right now, none of you ever were like, wow, that is so beautiful. I'm going to jump right in, right? Why not? You get burned. Thanks, Chelsea. <laughs> I somehow landed on you and you're like, he's asking me directly. I have to answer. <laughs> you get burned. It's going to hurt, right? So you, you understand there's this beauty, but there's also this, this, this power, this energy behind it. That's God. The Bible also describes him as the lion. He's the lion of Judah. Oh, wow. You know, and lions are amazing. I remember uh, actually last summer, I went with my parents. We brought our kids. And, uh, and they, it, was, it was one of these zoos that you're like, is this, this wouldn't be legal in other states, kind of the zoos, right? Because you're like right up here. The bars are right here with the animals, right? It's all like, you know, they don't have like these amazing habitats. But whatever. So I was like, wow, we're really close. Like, so I'm from here to the chair close to the lions with the kids and they're like all right we're gonna feed the lions now we're like wow okay cool so <laughs> they contracted with the pennsylvania department of transportation to get roadkill from the deer 
And I figured my son was going to freak out. He didn't. He was like, this is amazing. And they're throwing these deer carcasses at them. And they're just like, you're like, oh, they're going to, you know, like you think if you eat like a chicken bone, right? Or chicken wing, you eat around it. No, crunch right through the thing. Crunch. Like they eat the whole thing. They're like, oh my goodness. Like, and you, like in that moment, I realized there is raw power to this. I mean, you know that intellectually, but when you see it chewing through an entire deer, you're like, oh my this is not a scavenger. This is a predator. God's described as a lion. Majestic. Terrifying. We understand as Christians that when we accept Christ, our sins are forgiven. He cleanses us of unrighteousness. But He also calls us to live holy. Lives set apart. Lives that are different than the rest of the world. And that is hard. It is difficult. I struggle with sin to this day. You struggle with sin to this day. We are all going to struggle with sin of various kinds until the day we die. And what's really scary about all of that is when you accept Jesus, you become God's child. He adopts you into His family. He loves you. He cares for you. And what does a good father do when his children are making mistakes that are going to hurt them and others around them? He disciplines them. And that's not fun. Not you yet, you're too young. I, it's so hard. He's so cute and he's like looking straight at me. <laughs> it's so, it, it really is horrifying at times where you realize God loves you and he loves you so much and you're his child and you're his and when you die you're going to go to heaven and you're going to experience a new heaven and new earth and resurrection. It's great, but he also loves you and when you're acting a fool, he's going to do something about it. Whew. right it's kind of like if i go to the mall right I, I, who goes to the mall anymore but if i you know hypothetically if i went to the mall right and i see a bunch of kids like cursing and stuff like i don't know i'm probably not going to say anything unless they're you know in my face about it um but if i see kids from the church or my own kids doing that i'm gonna say something that's kind of how god disciplines us Whew. man obedience is hard what happens if we are consistently obedient to Jesus. I'm sure these elders are a little terrified. Verse 3, Moses came and told all the people all the commands of the Lord and all the ordinances. So everything up to this point. You know, Ten Commandments, he goes through the uh, Book of the Covenant that we went through over the last two weeks. Then all the people responded with a single voice. We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. Okay, well this is cool. But I mean, you got to kind of think about, like, it's easy to, to give lip service to obedience, isn't it? Yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Right? It's really easy to give lip service to God. I mean, it's one thing to sign the mortgage papers. It's another thing to consistently make all those payments for the rest of your life. <laughs> right? Um, it, it's one thing, you know, in that moment... In a, in a wedding, right, where you make marriage vows to each other, you know, and have and hold and sickness and health till death, health till death do us part. I, I said health by accident. That might have been a Freudian slip. Um, sickness and in health, or hell, right? Like if you're going through metaphoric difficulties, sickness and in health till death do us part, right? It's like, oh, and everyone feels that in the moment, but man, it's a totally different thing when you're living in the marriage. It's totally different. It's hard. Marriage is difficult. I'm not saying it's not worthwhile, but it's hard. Or, um, or it's one thing to say to Jesus, like, you know, to raise your hand at church, say, yeah, I want to trust Jesus. I want to have my sins forgiven. Uh, I want to be welcomed into God's family. I want to have eternal life, right? It's one thing to raise a hand. It's another thing to walk in obedience for the rest of your life. That is hard. That's hard. What happens when we walk consistently in obedience to Jesus? 
So I find this next part kind of funny. Uh, verse four, the first part of verse four. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. <laughs> you might not find that funny. I find that funny because Moses, before he writes down everything God told him up on the mountain, he goes to the people. He's like, all right, here's the rules. Here's what it means to be God's people set apart from all the other people. Okay, and he gives them all the rules. And they're like, all right, yeah, we're going to sign on. And he's like, all right, now I will write it down. <laughs> right? Because if he went out and he's like, all right, like he's like, okay, I'm going to write it down first and I can read it back to him. They're like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Sorry. He's like, oh man, I wasted all that time and money. <laughs> so Moses, you know, like very wisely, all right, here's the deal. And they're like, yeah, we're good. Okay, now I will write it down and not waste my time. Um, I think that's kind of a little bit of what's going on. But this is, I mean, now, like, if something's handwritten, this gets more serious, isn't it? Like, there's a big difference between a deal that you make with someone in a handshake versus a written contract. You know, every so often I, I've got friends who they have house guests living in their house, and my suggestion always is you need to have a uh, contract with the person. Oh no, I know Jimmy. He's you know, as they're good, you know, like no, just just do a little contract. You know, here's the house rules. Here's uh, here's here's how long, right? And you can always you know up it later on, but but just have a handwritten thing so everyone's on the same page, you know, so that they're not eating the food that they're not supposed to. They're not you know whatever, right? They're following your rules, and because uh, I think most conflict happens when people have different expectations, right? So let's just define the expectations, have them sign it. There's not many people that listen to my advice, but it's good advice, and <laughs> because when you don't sign it, right, then any of you who've had prolonged house guests. And in Michigan, if they've been there for longer than 30 days, you now have to evict them to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Just put it in paper. Well, it's my friend, it's my cousin. Sure, put it in paper, right? That way everyone's happy together, right? And you can always make it for longer. <laughs> you can always make it for longer. And it always turns into, but this is serious. Like, you know, like, Jimmy, I don't want you eating all of my food in the fridge. You're going to write the contract down. Whoa, that's serious. Oh, I won't do it anymore. Okay, you're going write, to write it, put it in writing. That becomes more serious. What happens when we are consistently obedient to Jesus? So, second part of verse 4 says, Moses rose early in the next morning, set up an altar and 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel at the base of the mountain. Then he set out, sent out young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and set it in basins. The other half of the blood he splattered on the altar. Then he took the covenant scroll and read it aloud to the people. They responded, we will do and obey all that the Lord has commanded. Moses took the blood, splattered it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Now we remember that those Old Testament sacrifices, they were a prelude to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. Right? We don't make sacrifices anymore. Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all, for all of humanity, for whosoever would believe in him. And that's, his, that, that's what this is foreshadowing. But this is a lot more serious than Moses saying, okay, here's, here's how God wants you to live, and them saying, okay, we're good. And now there's this covenant that's being made. I mean, there's animals that are dying. There's blood that's being splattered. This is, this is serious. It's kind of the difference in the Christian life of someone who says, yeah, I'm a Christian, versus someone who comes up here, and I'm gesturing over here because this is where we put the baptistry, and someone who is baptized. You know? Those of you guys who've been baptized, you know, within the last 10 years, you, like, you know, people tell me all the time, they're like, man, after I was baptized, things got serious, 
You know, like it really does because it is a public declaration that you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. And when you are publicly declaring that and you're baptized, you know what? It's harder to be a Christian at that point, right? Because now your coworkers or your friends, like they're like, oh man, he's a Christian. You shouldn't act like that. Right? A real Christian wouldn't treat like you wouldn't be bad mouthing the, the boss or the president or whatever if you're if you're a Christian and you love your enemies like you're supposed to, right? <sighs> it's so hard when people publicly now know you're a Christian. It makes life more difficult. That's what Israel was signing up for here. It's kind of what they were going through. Yeah, no, we're, we're going to be God's holy people. We're going to be set apart. Whew. It's kind of like uh, when you enter into a mortgage, if any of you have entered into a mortgage before. Um, who has all the power in that relationship? Is it you or the bank? <laughs> right? no, no one's over here like, I'm going to show that bank what's for, right? Like, no, right? And anyone who does, it's like, just like, you don't have any power in that whole situation. You're like, please, can I have some money so I can live in a place? Please. <laughs> That's what that relationship is like. Well, who holds all the power in the relationship with us and God is God. What happens when we are consistently obedient to Jesus? Verse 9, Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. And they saw the God of Israel. Beneath his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as clear as the sky itself. God did not harm the Israelite nobles. They saw him, and they ate and drank. Wow, this is so weird. Well, so first of all, we've already established in the Bible, God says, you can't look on my face and live, and yet they see God anyways. And it's interesting that Moses wrote God, and he didn't write Lord, all in caps, which is a stand-in for the word Yahweh, God's covenantal name, right? So, so did they see one of the members of the Trinity? Did they see a pre-incarnate Christ? Um, did, like, did God reveal himself in a slightly different way? I, I don't have the answers for that, right? If you're like, oh, wait, I can't wait for the answer. I don't know. But they saw God. They saw God. They experienced God. And it said they were, they were on this pavement made of lapis lazuli. And I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but I'm going to admit it to you now. I thought that was a made-up stone from role-playing games. <laughs> so, so I had to look it up and I'm like, whoa, it's a real thing. <laughs> I'm confessing here. Don't shame me, Sharon. <laughs> No, but it's cool. Like, go ahead and Google it. It's it's like this beautiful blue stone, and and I know all of you are like, man, that pastor's not smart. No, I'm not. Why did anyone give me this role? I don't know. <laughs> I know why. It's because God uses the pathetic, weak things of this world to shame the strong and the wise. So if anything ever happens through me, you can go, that was God. <laughs> it was certainly not that guy up there. <laughs> that would have been a good point to say amen um but but it's this it, and it's not really a translucent stone but in this it's it is this pavement and it's translucent and so they're having this supernatural experience they see god we don't know exactly how they see god but they experience him they experience the beauty they see the fire and they're not burned they stand before the lion and they are not consumed they see his beauty 
And they're so comfortable that they're able to eat and drink. What happens when we are consistently obedient to Jesus? I think it's the same thing that will happen with the elders of Israel. When you are consistently obedient to Jesus, not perfect, not having everything in your life together, but you're obedient to Him and you're trying to be obedient to Him and when you fail, you actually repent and you try and when you fail again, you continue to go to Him. When you are consistently obedient to Jesus, you will joyfully experience God. You will joyfully experience who God is. And joy is one of those interesting things. It's not, it's not based on your circumstances. Joy is not saying, hey, my life is going well, my bank account is fat, and everything is going the way it should. No, that's not what joy is. Joy is in spite of the moment. It's in spite of the difficulties. It's in spite of the hardships. You have this deep-seated understanding that you belong to God. God belongs to you. That Jesus sits on the throne and that one day He will come back and make all things right and you belong to Him. And there's nothing that can take you from the hands of God. Joy is in spite of the circumstances. God is still working. And He loves you. And He calls you His own. And He knows the hairs on your head. And He walks with you every step of the way. That's what joy is. And when we have that long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson called it, when we have that long obedience in the same direction, you joyfully get to experience God in this life. Regardless of if everything's falling apart, if, if your house isn't uh, not being able to be paid off, even if you're getting evicted, or if your car isn't working, or you have computer problems, which is among the most frustrating things in the world. Even if everything's falling apart around you, marriage is falling apart, people are walking away, they're abandoning you, you get hours cut at your job, you still can have this deep-seated joy in spite of the circumstances that can only come from God. And that only comes when we're walking in obedience with Him. A number of years ago, my wife and I went downstate and uh, we happened to be around a place that had a rainforest cafe. You ever been a rainforest cafe, right? Yeah, it's 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 kind of like they're a little old and outdated now, but you know, back in the day they were cool. And there's like there's like you go in and it's a different world. They've got like these fake trees going everywhere. There's vines and growth everywhere. They got animatronic lions and they got animatronic monkeys and gorillas and snakes all moving around. And you're like, wow. And then everything you order off the menu is some sort of theme. You know, you don't get fries, you get monkey fries or whatever in the world they have in there. Rainforest fries. I don't know. I don't think I'd want to eat monkey fries. That's, that's not appealing at all. <laughs> but they have this whole, whole thing, right? And so my wife and I, you know, the kids were, at the time were young or not existent yet and and uh, and so we're like oh cool they're gonna love this we're gonna do this and i'm looking at the menu I'm like this is really expensive no it's an experience we're gonna take the kids okay okay we'll do it so we go and we, and we get the kids in there and they were starving at that point so especially my my son matthew he was starving so we bring him in and we're like oh this is gonna be great we're ordering things and really sh- quickly into this trip we realize that matthew is terrified of the rainforest cafe like he is absolutely terrified of it. Especially there was this family of apes over here. And the animatronic was kind of like, you know, a little off. And he's just like, he was like staring at it. And we're like, all right, all right, let's just order. What do you want? And he wouldn't even talk to us. So we're like, all right, chicken strips. So you're going to get chicken strips. So we, we order everything. We're waiting 100 years. They are starving. He is just terrified. And I'm, I think he was like three at the time. And so I'm like, dude, all right, come on. I'll take you closer to the gorillas and you can see them and not be scared. Was that a good idea? 
No, it wasn't. Because now instead of a quiet kid, we got a screaming kid. All right, all right, moving back over. And food comes after, you know, an hour and a half. And, and we sit down, and he's just not like, you know, everyone else is, rum, 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 rum. and he's just staring at that gorilla. Man, that gorilla's going to make a move. <sighs> he's coming for me. And so my wife, wisely, we just packed everything up, took it into the car. And as soon as we got in the car, as soon as we got to a safe place, like he tore into that food, just like ate faster than I've ever seen him eat before, right? He's like, okay, I'm safe. Woo. That animatronic gorilla family's not going to attack me. You don't eat when you're scared, right? You, you just don't. Like if some of you, if you're like me, when you were awkward teenagers, right? And you're with people you're not used to eating around, you're like, I don't know how to eat in front of people anymore. So you like didn't eat in front of people. I remember the youth pastor's wife had shamed me once. She's like, are you one of those teenagers who don't eat in front of other people? And I'm like, oh, dude, what do I do now? No, I'm not, I'm not right. Eat awkwardly. You don't eat when you're scared. You don't drink when you're scared. And yet somehow, these elders of Israel, they go up to the terrifying mountain that is swirling with smoke and fire, thunder and lightning, booming voice that terrified Israel. Oh, we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. I mean, how many times have you said, God, I want to hear your voice? Israel heard it and they're like, we don't want it. It's too scary. And they see this terrifying God, God of fire, the God who's described as a lion. And they are so comfortable with Him, they can eat and they can drink. Wow. That's what happens when we agree to be obedient to Christ. Obviously, it's not perfect. We'll see in a few weeks. They don't get it down perfect. Not by a long shot. But when we, are, we choose to be obedient to Christ, when we are in the face... I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> When we are in the face of, of, of God's terrifying beauty, all of a sudden He fills us with this comfort. And we have this, this, this abiding peace in His presence. This terrifying God is also beautiful. And we can experience His joy. The reality is, is that we understand that if you are a Christian, God will discipline His children. He doesn't want you to act the way you're acting because he knows that sin ultimately hurts us and hurts those around us. So like a good father, he will bring discipline into our lives. So if we have sin, he will lovingly discipline us until we stop. And that discipline, like a good father, usually starts amping its way up, right? Like, hey, knock that off. <laughs> and then it goes up from there. You know, so if we have sins, if you have sin in your life, confess it. If you have made politics your God and your be-all, end-all, and you fear that more than anything else, then you need to confess it. If you have a sexual brokenness in your life, confess it. He loves you. It's not like the most original sin in the world. He knows. We struggle. We all struggle. Confess, and He will restore you. If you have a problem with malicious gossip or lying, if you have a problem with helping those who are in need, with loving your enemies, oh gosh, I, have a, I confess regularly about that one loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. If you see uh, people who are in need and you feel the Spirit of God saying you need to help that person and you don't, confess. He'll restore you. And on that other side of restoration, when we walk imperfectly in that obedience, we experience His beauty, His love, His grace. We walk up to the fire. We walk up to the lion. And we don't feel fear. We don't, we're not scared. We're, we're able to eat and drink. 
disobedience is like trying to eat dinner in your house while it's burning down. Obedience is like sitting around a campfire with no wind, friends and family that you really love, and enjoying a meal. That's the difference. That's the image God's given us here. When you are consistently obedient to Jesus, you will joyfully experience God. Here's what I want you guys to do. In your bulletin, and there's more, I believe, on the back table still, because I know there's you know, couples here. This is the simplest thing. Go ahead and put this up here, Drayton. This is just a quick assessment. At the end of each day, so we're going to do this for a week. It's just a week. It'll take you like less than 30 seconds a day. At the end of each day, rate yourself on a scale from one to five with five being the highest. Mark how obedient you feel you have been to Jesus with a, what, what is the version you guys have to say? It says an O, right? I don't know. Does it say O? Because I changed it. Because I, I did a whole thing and I'm like, wait, the O should be obedience. So I'm not going to look at this one because that was the old version. Um, yeah, right with an O because I'm smart. <laughs> so mark it with an O and then mark how joyful you feel overall with an X. Just try. It's an experiment. So some of you are here and you totally buy into this and you're like, cool. Well, do this and let it be a reminder when you are tempted to think that sin is going to improve my life, I will feel better when I sin. Let this be a reminder, no, I won't. I won't have that inner peace. I won't have that inner joy. I won't have joy in spite of the circumstance. Try it out for a week. Uh, for those of you who, uh, who don't believe me, just try out the experiment for a week. See what happens. See what happens when you are, uh, try to be obedient to Christ, and when you fail, you repent of your sins to him. And see, how joy, see if the Holy Spirit does anything within your heart. I think for both cases, we're going to find, okay, I'm going to try to be more obedient. Because the reason we sin is sin just says, hey, I'm going to improve your life. And you're like, yeah, it will. And it makes you happy for like, you know, like five minutes. And then you're like, ugh. Because it's damaging your soul or maybe it's damaging your body or someone around you. Um, but if you are obedient to Christ, you will joyfully experience God this terrifying, scary, horrifying God, you will enjoy His presence in some way. I don't know what it'll look like for you, but you'll feel it. You'll see it. It's only through obedience that you can have a picnic with a lion. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and thank You for Your servant Moses and all those others that went up and experienced you, I pray that as we have a more full understanding of who you are in the person of Jesus Christ, that we will even more be bold to approach you as we humbly come in obedience. Father, all of us have sinned and gone astray, each of us in our own way. Father, I am absolutely not a perfect individual. I am not a perfect pastor. I struggle with sin on a daily basis forgive me. Forgive us. And as we repent of our sins, we know that You are faithful and just. And in the name of Jesus, You'll purify us from all unrighteousness. You'll make us whole again. You'll make us clean. Father, as a church, help us to love each other. Help us to 
work alongside, walk alongside each other and work alongside each other as we are imperfectly trying to be obedient to you. But Father, I pray for this congregation as we walk in obedience. Help us to experience your joy. Even though the world around us is burning down, even though inflation is rising and we can't afford anything anymore and, and uh, going anywhere is, uh, is, is, it requires a withdrawal from the bank account because gas prices are so high. Help us to experience your joy in the midst of the uncertainty and the chaos knowing that you are God, that you love us, that you care for us, that you hold those who have followed Jesus in the palm of your hand. You'll never let us go. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen.